So uh, this morning, like I said earlier, we're going to take some time to uh, look at one of our values as a church. One of the, we want to be a church that goes all out for kids. And uh, we're going to talk about why this morning. And I think it's important because even, even though it's tough to not agree with that statement, like, well, yeah, we need to be focused on children. I think in our own lives and in my life, sometimes I get distracted with other things and forget just how important it is that more than just valuing children, like, yeah, kids are great, actually living in a way that, that connects with children and, and blesses children. So, yeah, we're going to take a look. At that. So what I want to do is I want to start with a couple passages of Scripture that represented for me um, uh, sort of an awakening. I had a, a, probably a blind spot for this, and then uh, through a book called Too Small to Ignore by Wes Stafford, I read his story, and uh, he woke me up to the implications of these two passages. So uh, I would love for you to turn to uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and if you want to go ahead and, and if you don't mind, grabbing a Bible or firing up a smartphone and, and uh, just follow along with me so you can see for yourself um, what Jesus has to say and how Jesus lived. And so we might call this first, uh, this first passage, which is uh, Mark 10, 13. Um, maybe the, the Jesus principle when it comes to kids. Now, we want to be followers of Jesus. That means that more than just believing the right stuff about him, uh, we want to do what Jesus did. We want to think how he thought. And so if, if the Bible tells us something is true of Jesus, then we need to, in our own lives, do our best to mold our, our own worldview and our own actions in sync with uh, Jesus. So this is a very significant passage, and, and I'm going to read from the, the English Standard Version, and uh, there, there's the uh, one word that it translates in a way that I think is very uh, accurate to the original Greek here, so that's why I picked this. might be different than what you're reading, but you'll be able to follow along definitely. Okay, so it says that people were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them and uh, his disciples, the disciples rebuked them. So the idea here, if you think of like um, um, getting your kid, if you, there's a celebrity. Hey, hold my baby, uh, presidential candidate. Here, hold my baby, whatever. Like the idea of, of blessing them, holding them. That's, that's the picture that we get here. Everybody in Jesus' day and time wanted to get close enough to reach out and touch Jesus uh, that, for healing, for blessing, so that's the spirit of this, and, and, and they're trying to get their kids to Jesus. And it says that the disciples rebuked them for the thought. But when Jesus saw that, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, don't hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. So it's like there's nothing more important going on right here. And he hugged the kids and put his focus on the kids. Now here's the word. The word is indignant. That's the word. Anytime you see indignant linked with Jesus, it should perk. Your ears should perk. Because that is not the typical response. 
Jesus rarely loses his composure. But that's the idea in the language here, that Jesus loses his composure. Now, there are some places in Scripture where Jesus is confronted with some pretty rough stuff. There's one point where they basically somehow pulled a woman from the very act of adultery, threw her in front of Jesus. Now, when we think about adultery, we understand that the Bible is very much presents it as like one of the biggies. And she's thrown in front of Jesus, but Jesus responds to her with forgiveness and grace. There's another example of a guy named Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, which was in Jesus' day and time very low on the uh, moral totem pole. Um, They were lying, cheating people. So this person would have cheated the rich and the poor out of thousands and thousands of dollars, and Jesus spots Zacchaeus, and he says, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner today. What's cooking? Like he responds to Zacchaeus with grace and love. So Jesus' typical response to getting something wrong is usually with mercy. But here, he responds with indignation. He is furious. He loses his composure. So we have to understand that that when it comes to ignoring or somehow minimizing to blowing off a kid, that is so counter to the heart of God that it brought about indignation from Jesus. He was furious that you so missed the point that he lost his composure. So we have to let that sink in. If we want to be followers of Jesus, if we want to really get this right, we all need to understand that somehow the way God sees children is different than most. Because you can love kids, but that's still not enough. Somehow the idea of treating children with such high value is so important to the heart of God that if somebody doesn't get that, because it wasn't like, you know, it doesn't say, and the disciples saw this and they punched the child. <clears throat> like we could understand Jesus losing his composure over that. No, they just said, no, Jesus has better things to do. And that was so far from what could be true that Jesus responded with anger. Now, I want to, as a follower of Jesus, and I want for us as a church to really get this right, and that's why I think it's important that we go all out for kids, that we elevate children, not just a plaque on the wall, not just so that we can reach their parents, because i got to tell you, there are many pastors, and they'll admit to this, we need to have a great children's program because that's what parents want, and parents bring the money. And so there are churches that build around that as like a business model. But we're not talking about, we're talking about children, because they're children, and because children matter to God, we got to get that right. Now, At Polaris, it's not uncommon to come in in the morning, on a Sunday morning, and see kids running around screaming in the sanctuary, like chasing each other. And and there have been times where there have been some people, you know, visiting from other churches or whatever that are like, are you you okay with that? Do you not see, you know, isn't that a problem? But 
as long as they're, you know, safe, like I get a little nervous when they're up in the balcony, um, leaning out over the balcony and, you know, want to make sure they don't knock over somebody on a walker. But as long as they're safe, I think it's important that we have that, cultivate that kind of an environment. Because the truth is, I think that if Jesus were like here in, in like, you know, physical form, sandals and, and robe, um, not robe, what would that be, tunic? Um, Anyway, um, or was, I'm not going to get distracted by that. I could spend the next 15 minutes thinking through. Um, I think you could put the bazillionaires club over there sitting, and the pope and the cardinals over there sitting, and the pastors and Bible scholars over there sitting, and Jesus is probably chasing kids around. Like, I, I think that that's where his heart is. And so I think it's important to protect that as a church. And I think it's important for me, as a follower of Jesus, to think through, am I ignoring kids, or am I connecting with kids? Am I taking the time to give high fives and talk to kids? Because the further I get away from, you know, speaking two- and three-year-old language... Now that my kids are, you know, in elementary school and middle school, the harder it is for me to remember, like, you block that stuff out, right? <laughs> but it's important to make that connection because that's Jesus. Now, let's look at the second principle here with, I think, some profound implications for church and um, life as a follower of Jesus. This is Matthew 18 not 28. This is Matthew, not 28. I don't know why I keep doing that. I don't know why I can't see when I'm actually proofreading my slides. Anyway, Matthew 18. Is that a laugh or a cry? We doing okay or not? Okay. At least somebody thinks I'm funny. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, they have all kinds of ideas of who that might be. Is it the millionaires club who give a lot? Is it the pope and the cardinals? Is it the pastors and the Bible scholars? Who is it? Best church attendance? Who is it? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst. You know, come here, come here, buddy. He put him in the midst of them. He set up this, this kid up in front of everybody. And he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This was unthinkable. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child or welcomes one such child in my name <coughs> receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone, one of those, you know, round stone, giant stone, wheel-looking things, fastened around his neck to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So Jesus says here, how you treat children is how you treat Jesus. He takes it personal. You welcome them, you welcome him, you ignore them, you ignore him. If you make it life hard for a child or in some way hurt a child, you're hurting him. 
How we treat children is how we treat Jesus. What does that mean for you in life? If you were to look at your own behavior this past week, have you ignored Jesus or have you connected with Jesus? Because some of that depends on how you treated the kids in your neighborhood, the kids in the hall at the church. Crazy to think about that. Spiritual truth. How we treat children is how we treat Jesus. So let's get real with this. Let's say that some angelic announcement was posted on Facebook from Gabriel. I don't know. And he says, hey, just want the world to know that Jesus is back and he's a three-year-old and he lives in Brunswick now. He goes to Polaris Christian Church. He's in their twos and threes class every Sunday morning. Like, Let's just say that Jesus is three years old and he starts to go to Polaris Christian Church and he's in our twos and threes class. What happens at Polaris? First thing that happens is we explode as a church because everybody would want to be here, right? Because Jesus is, is in our twos and threes class. Everybody would want to just be close by. Next thing that would happen is we would have a huge waiting list because everybody would want to be a teacher or helper in the twos and threes class to get to hang out with three-year-old Jesus. We couldn't contain the paper flow of people signing up to be in that class. Jesus would be getting high fives in the hallway. <clears throat> what if Jesus was an eight-year-old at Crestview Elementary? And the principal said, we need a mentor for eight-year-old Jesus. People would be quitting their jobs so that their schedule could align so that they could mentor eight-year-old Jesus. Middle school Jesus, they... He's on his own. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. So, if we look at Matthew 18, I think what we see is that that three-year-old, in many ways, is Jesus. And should be to us, because how we treat him or her is how we treat Jesus. So the children's ministry should always be hopping because how we treat them and think, you know, I mean, think about the teacher in the twos and threes prepping for a lesson knowing that this week they're giving story time to three-year-old Jesus. Um, huge implications from Matthew 18. Neighborhood kids to kids in our children's ministry to, I mean, you think about Rise and Shine Preschool, 160 kids or so. All the very real presence of Jesus and how, as a church, we treat them. So I hope this week you'll, you'll take some time to think through the implications of that and just What's God saying to you, and, and how you doing with Matthew 18? How you doing with, with Mark 10? Have you elevated children, not just in theory, in practice? <clears throat> Have you elevated children to a degree that you could stand proud of because that's how you're 
treating Jesus. All right, let me shift gears, and I want to talk about one of our causes as a church. I want to talk about Compassion International. Because we value children, we have a connection with Compassion. And and before I even get launched into this, I I want you to know something. Um, I take our causes very seriously because there are so many amazing Jesus-centered causes out there. And, and we're, we're selective because to embrace many causes is kind of to embrace no cause because everything just kind of gets lost. And, and there are so many amazing things that, that many of you are close to. And, and it would be great if we could just, everybody gets, but we can't. And, and so we try to be selective. And Compassion International is one of those that we've said, this is our cause. This is one of our main causes as a church. And 45-plus children are sponsored through Polaris People. We've helped get four different churches started in third world poverty um, through Compassion International as a church. And, and, and I just, so, so what I want you to know is, while we can say compassion is one of our causes, I don't know that that's one of your personal causes, and you need to not feel any kind of guilt or, or like, Whatever. I'm not trying to manipulate you into sponsor a child. I'm really not because I don't know whether God's saying yes or not. God may have called you to other causes. I know that God wants you to be generous. In fact, I believe that Scripture says that God wants us to give at least 10% of everything we make away to his causes. That's a lot. And I don't think anybody ever really experiences God to the level they could until they do that. That's a big statement. But I have no idea whether Polaris is one of those causes, whether compassion is one of those causes, or some other thing. I don't know where God wants you to give your generosity toward. So you just pray and talk to Jesus and be obedient. I'm going to talk about compassion because that's on my heart. It's one of my personal causes, and it's a Polaris cause. But there's no expectations, okay? From Don't feel guilty if that's not one of your causes. So... Let me tell you a little bit about why compassion has become important to me and why it's important to us as a church. UNICEF tells us, I mean, it's a respected stat, 18 to 20,000 children, highest value to God, 18 to 20,000 children die every single day of completely preventable poverty-related causes. Now, that's unthinkable. And that's like the queue filled every single day, completely preventable poverty-related causes. So we have to, I mean, we have to deal with that. One of the ways to deal with that is organizations like Compassion that go to third world poverty and they take medicine, they take food, they take training, they take education, and they take Jesus. And they, they, they pick a church. And they bring their resources to that church, and it's like a front for them. People that benefit from compassion don't even know who compassion is. They know the church, and compassion wants it that way. They want the church to get the credit, and they want Jesus to get the credit. Now, Compassion International has an 80-20 ratio. 80% goes to those in need. 20% is their administrative costs. That's unreal. 
I mean, to only have 20% to pay salaries and things like that of a global organization is crazy. But that's their ratio. And they partner with sponsors with real correspondence back and forth where you have, I have two sponsor children. So that's $38 a month per sponsor kid that gives them what they get. And then me and Daniela, my family and Daniela and my family and Brian write back and forth with pictures and, and photos and all, you know, kids are a big part of that. The kid is welcomed into the program, gets all the benefits of the program before they're given a sponsor. Then when somebody picks them, now they have a sponsor. And we'll talk more about what that means. Um, so that's, that's the essence of compassion, is they release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And, I, and I've seen this. I've been to Ecuador and, and seen how this works, and I came back very much an advocate for compassion. So I want to invite Brian Huntley. Um, come on up for a second. And, and he's just going to talk through what compassion has come to mean for him and, and his family. <clears throat> and again, as 45-plus families have partnered with or sponsored children, I, I, I hope you'll think about your own responsibilities, those of you who've done so, to keep up the correspondence. I guess I could have been nice and gotten you a mic, huh? That's all right. Get your own mic. Um, so, real quick, snapshot of your family. Uh, okay. Um, oh, and what you do for Polaris? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, my family, I'm married, my, my wife, Anne, who we've been married 19 years. Uh, boom. Um, all right. We're there. Um, I, we have four kids. Um, we have three boys. We have triplet boys that are 13 years old. Can you imagine that triplets? Oh, I can't, no wonder you have. No I can't. Hair. Rem- <laughs> I can't imagine it. Um, it was a blur. And then, as if we didn't learn our lesson enough, we had a daughter 18 months later. So four kids, uh, three boys and a girl, and and a cat. Now we've yeah. got a cat. So. Yeah, so that's been good. And um, Jesus doesn't love cats. He loves children. He doesn't love cats. I can attest to that fact. Um, and then what I've been doing for the church is uh, as part of our Isaiah 58 uh, cause and our calling and our charter, um, I've uh, kind of been asked to help coordinate, um, and that's what it is, coordinating people in, within our church and in our body to reach out and to um, kind of put together uh, some of the things we want to do, bring people together to uh, do some of the things locally and internationally that we've decided are causes for the church, which of one is children. Okay, so talk about your sponsorships with compassion, what that means and what that's done for your family. Sure, sure. So let's, um, I have a couple pictures. Um, We currently sponsor four kids. Uh, this is Dexter, which we picked him for two reasons. One, I, I picked these, and I'll explain in a minute, uh, on their, based on their birthday. But Dexter, he just has an awesome name. I had, you know, we had to pick him because Dexter is a great name. Um, and then also uh, Salvador. And then lastly, uh, we have Vilia. And each of the kids, there was, there was three boys. I didn't have a picture of a recent picture of Brian, who we also sponsor. Um, 
uh, we got them as a gift for our kids. So we sponsored three boys and one girl. They all happened to share the same birthdays as our kids because it was kind of something they could share back and forth as they write to each other that they have the same birthdays and it's very cool, um, which they really love. The kids like having each other's birthdays, which I'll, I'll even show that in a second. Um, and what it's done for the kids, really, first of all, it was, it was a Christmas gift that we gave, and they were really excited to receive it. Um, it was a, just a concept they haven't really thought about. And the fact that they could share with them a birthday and some, share some commonality and that they could write back and forth was, really got them fired up about it. So, so what does it look like? What does a, a year in the life of sponsoring a kid look like for you guys? So uh, in terms of sponsorship... Um, and we can talk about the logistics of sponsoring. Um, but for the kids, what they're doing, it's, a lot of it's letter writing right now. In fact, I, I, I brought one because I asked the kids this morning. I said, hey, bring a letter that you guys have just, just recently wrote that we can send. And we hadn't sent it yet because um, we were waiting to get them all done. And I wanted to read a little excerpt of, of yeah. what Grace wrote to Vilia, which was the last, uh, which I thought was really kind of fun. Right? It's kind of like reading their diary, but not as bad. Uh, Grace wrote, Dear Vilia, I hope you're doing well. How was school? You are turning nine this year. How exciting. I'm 11. I turned 12 on December 6th, the same as yours. It is near Christmas. I saw you want to be a doctor. That's cool. When I grow up, I want to be a singer and actor. You know, and I'll take an aside. I'm glad we've raised a dreamer in our family, right? (laughs) This is the second part that I love. But if not that an author or a clothes designer for movies. So at least we've grounded her a little right. bit. You know, if she doesn't get, you know, if they don't get a singer and actor, we've got a secondary career already planned out. But this is the stuff they're sharing. you got a theater major right. in your future. Right, exactly. So she'll be living with us forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but this is stuff they talk about. You know, they talk about what do you do, and the, the boys are talking about stuff they like. What sports do you like? And I like cars and favorite colors and Grace is talking about, they're talking about careers and what do you want to be, they're talking about their dreams and they're sharing stuff that they really want to do together and what do you want to be in your life. And then, you know, hey, your birthday's coming up and it's near Christmas and they share that stuff. And I see the kids getting really connected with people they've never met before. I mean, they don't, they have their picture, that's it. They, they've never met them and they're learning about them through correspondence, which has been really enriching for them. It's been very cool. So, yeah, I was going to say that, and that's, so you have seen real changes in the life of your children from so, doing something like this. It's Absolutely. So now I see the Jesus in them because they're showing genuine care for somebody that we are caring for, that we're sponsoring. Um, I see, you know, that they want to learn more about them. They, they want to get their letters and correspondence. It's actually kind of a problem in our home when someone gets a letter and others don't, you know, that they, you know, they're counting letters and they, they want that correspondence. They want to be connected with somebody, and they are like Jesus. They're, they're, they feel like they're providing for them and connecting with them on a, on a level that's Christ because often they talk about, I'm praying for you. I hope everything's going well. They'll share verses. Um, Grace wrote out, uh, it's just one letter that she wrote, the last letter she wrote that we sent. She wrote her little letter on their form, and they make it easy to do that. But she also wrote out the entire words to her favorite Barlow Girl song. You know, like, hey, here's a song that was really encouraging. She wrote that all out. So they're connecting on yeah. a Christ level. Yep. And that's, it's important. It, it really, it's real correspondence. I mean, this is not form letter no. type stuff. It's, it's, right. and, and so now Compassion International, the website, you actually can, can digitally 
there's a translator, obviously, that translates to them and, and vice versa, but it's, it's, they made it very simple where you can like go online, go to your child, write a letter online, reply to their letter almost like an email format, attach some photos. For, it's very easy now just logistically to, 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 to write letters. Anything else you... Right, and you were ahead of me on that one because I will, and they actually have an app too that I looked yep, at. Their app is great. And their app provides that correspondence. And even on their app, um, I thought this was really interesting as a sponsor that they'll also tell you, uh, you know, where in the region your, your sponsor child is located, and you can learn about that region and about the sponsoring church. <laughs> and that's really cool. You want to get to know them a little bit more. So it's really neat for the kids. So that's our next step is getting a little bit more electronic, making the correspondence a little quicker. Um, I think that's going to be a real value to them. So uh, the, the other thing I wanted to share was that Compassion has made it very easy. I shared before with you that um, for me, you know, thinking about giving to an organization, um, you know, there's a little bit of trust factor there. You know, what's that money going to go to? To learn that they, that 80% of the funds that we provide to a sponsor goes actually to that child is huge because you really don't have an idea of where that money goes. And to have a reputable organization like Compassion where they're making sure the child gets money, they, they do the right thing, they make it easy for you. I mean, for me, I just set it up on my credit card. It, it's on my statement every month, which helps because I see that statement, I see that charge on there every month, and it makes me think about that child and, and hopefully pray for them at that moment. Um, you get little reminders, other than what the kids get in terms of their correspondence. But it's great to know, I, I, as I mentioned before, I, I used to travel to Asia on business. And I would go into some of these, uh, I traveled to China quite a bit, and I was in Shanghai and Hong Kong. And Shanghai is a very large city. And even though it's a socialist country, they would have, um, they don't have a lot of social programs here. You know, you can't just have a kid wandering the street here. You know, we're going to, they're going to get right, determined. Right, right, yeah. There you have children wandering the street, and they, sometimes their parents are there with them, and they're begging, right? And I mean. And they're not waiting for the next welfare check. They have nothing. No, they have, they have nothing. Yeah. So. You know, and you just go there and your heart breaks from them. You just empty your pockets. And you think about the structure of compassion where they're partnering with the church and they're, you know that money is going towards them in a Christian environment and it's going to the right things. And that's really important to know you're dealing with an organization where it's your funds are going to go help that child. Yeah. Yeah, and you can also give extra if you want, and it goes straight to them. Like we ended up, Kelly had, my wife had a good bonus, so we sent some money, a few hundred dollars, and it doesn't, like the money doesn't go to them, they will buy things to help them. So we got this picture a couple months later of our sponsor, of the family of our sponsor child standing in front of like a bike and a mattress and a couple of cabinets, things that there's no way that they could buy a bike. But you think about how that changed their life for transportation and things like that. And it's like, it's you to them without any, like, this didn't go to pay for the sports car, for the CEO. It, you know, and so it really, yeah, absolutely trustworthy. Yeah. Anything well, we else? Had, we actually got a catalog that showed all different types of gifts that you can send your sponsored child. And so the kids can look through and decide what they want. And it's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I had was just how... Um, oh, we do, have, we do have packets here today, and um, they make it easy to either sign up uh, that or online. Their, their online presence is fantastic. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you. I want to show a video, and this is for those of you who have sponsored a child already, and then I'll close up. Oh, 
that it really is not just some manipulative propaganda video. I have seen that. Like, I, like I, I've seen that. Cause, and the thing that hits me with that most is if you were to tell me, hey, Alex, there's this family in Germany and they want to be your pen pal. I would say, oh, that's cool. How often do I have to, like, write? Like, I, I would not be re- responding the way... Like, it's overwhelming to me to think that it means that much. And I couldn't understand why it would mean that much to have correspondence from people they're never even going to see unless you do a mission trip to go meet your child. They're, they'll never see us. But when you have nothing and in many ways begin to believe that you are nothing, and these parents have nothing to give their kids, to realize that you got picked. Like when I sat there in the the one-room shacks that we wouldn't even be comfortable with our family pet spending time in, and that's their house, and, and, and to hear them talk about this sponsor that picked them, and then when I was there and some of the leaders from Compassion said, Hey, do you have the course, some correspondence to show us? And it was like their prized possession. They went to the safest place in their little hut and you know, moved stuff that they had these packets hidden and protected. And they pulled out their correspondence and they leafed through it. And you could tell like they're dog-eared and weathered because they had just... This was not like some letter that they read and tossed. This became some of their most valuable possessions, the pictures of their sponsors. And then um, Wes Stafford, who was the CEO, wanted to do away with the sponsor, with the, with the letter writing part of it. Because a lot of that 20% is costs of translating and paying translators and postage. And he thought we could give even more to those in need and help more kids get in the program if we ditched the back and forth. But he did one last test. He, he, he brought in kids who had sponsors and kids who didn't. Both of the groups received the benefits of compassion, like the food and the education. And he began to ask them questions that were like hope-centric. Like, here's what you have going against you. What do you want to be? And he noticed that kids who had sponsors had an exponentially higher view of themselves and clung to hope way more than those who didn't. That's the kind of impact it has. And so I remind myself, first of the month, bing, my phone reminds me, write a letter to Daniela, write a letter to Brian, and i got to remind myself, you know, while this may be a little bit of an inconvenience for me, do you have any pets? Um, It's cold here. How cold does it get there? I mean, it's not always easy to think of how can I communicate with a nine-year-old in Ecuador? But I remember what I say here has more impact and more potential for impact than what I say up here. Like, I'll spend 20 hours a week planning what I say up here. But I'm going to have more impact writing that letter to that child who has nothing. So for those of you who sponsor kids, remember the correspondence makes a huge difference. All right, so I hope you leave here remembering Matthew 18 and Mark 10 and ask yourself, how am I going to impact children as I would if I knew they were Jesus? Because in many ways they are.
What are you going to do because of all this? If you sponsor a child already, go right. If you'd like to, if, if, if it is one of your causes, if you feel like God's saying this needs to be one of your causes, we, we got packets out there. Take a look at some of the kids. Um, make whatever decision God lays on your heart. Is that a hand? I see that hand. What's up, Joe? They do. So that you'll get a letter saying they're through the program, um, and, and then that cuts off. Um, there's also a leadership development program through Compassion as well. You can read about that on, on the website. But yeah, that, that, and then sometimes that correspondence continues in other ways. Sometimes they just go do their thing, and you know that you've made the impact that, yeah. Yeah, does that answer your question? Okay. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I met, I met um, Daniela. Um, my wife is going on the Polaris mission trip in June, and she'll most likely be able to meet our two, Brian and Daniela, as well. And actually, if you go, if some of you are going to Ecuador, are any of you in here planning to go to Ecuador? I see a couple. Okay. Um, it, you can take a backpack and um, like fill it with bed sheets and candy and whatever. Like I took a backpack and gave it to Daniela, <clears throat> and then my parents, I met my parents' sponsored child and took a pack for them. And, and honestly... And it's hard, it's hard for me, this sounds like big sweeping language, and, but, it, but it, it, you got the feeling this is the best day of that kid's life. And, and they, I, I took, I remember I took a barrel of monkeys, like you know that, the, the game Barrel of Monkeys, and, and we played Barrel of Monkeys for like an hour and a half because they just don't have anything like that. I, I took um, um, Daniel, is my parents' uh, sponsored child. I bought one of those little Lego packs, you know, like that you get when, when your kid hasn't screamed the whole way through the grocery store. Oh, here, here's a little Lego box, whatever. He must, it must have been 18 to 20 times he put that thing together, took it apart, put it together. To, and, and just most valued toy um, so the, the potential for impact is, is, is just unthinkable. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, let's stand and, uh, we'll pray. Father, the implications of all this stuff are far reaching and I know that some of it's uncomfortable. Um, um, but that's what walking with you is. I know in Scripture you rarely spend time with people where they weren't left feeling amazed and fulfilled, but at the same time stretched to do a lot that never thought possible. But the impact, the legacy, the need, just speak clearly to us and give us, um, give us the courage to take the steps that you call us toward, to know what your causes are. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good week.